TC Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Hello and welcome back to Kick It Naturally. I'm your host TC Hale and I haven't played racquetball in about eight years. This is episode 311 and we're going to be talking about gastroparesis today. And and what happened is I I had a guest on our other podcast, our keto podcast, Chat the Fat. If you're uh, checking out some keto things and you want to learn more, you can search for Chat the Fat on iTunes or Stitcher or any podcasty kind of app things. Um, But I had a guest on there that I met on the Low Carb Cruise and we were both speaking and uh, when she was on the show, she was kind of talking about some digestive issues that she had in the past, how she was kind of diagnosed with gastroparesis. And uh, I realized, man, I don't even have an episode about gastroparesis because I was just going to send her the link. And I was like, oh, I haven't done one, so I can send you nothing. But I told her I'd get on a call with her. And I said, well, let's record it and we can just uh, help other people understand what might be going on so they can get some answers too. So I got on the phone with Crystal Sykes and and we uh, talked about gastroparesis for a little bit. So jump in uh, here and check it out and learn about some gastroparesis. And I'll come back on and uh, touch on a couple notes that I, I left out of my talk with Crystal and we'll kind of wrap it up with those here. So here we are jumping in with Crystal Sykes on gastroparesis. Okay, I am back with Crystal Sykes. All I do is talk on podcasts with Sykes people. <laughs> Between you and the Robert. Best way that's the way to do it. Right, that's all I do. I just, I just hang out with people named Sykes. So uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I met Crystal and her, Robert, and her, and her husband, Robert, um, on the Low Carb Cruise. They were also speakers on the cruise. And then Crystal came on to our Chat the Fat podcast, our keto podcast, because Crystal has this awesome story about how she went from not at all being keto to being keto and then being a bodybuilder and then being a bodybuilder that wins championships on keto. (laughs) When everybody else is like, how are you? You can't do this on keto. And she's like, okay, well, then I'll just go ahead and win. Um, So... If you haven't heard that, that that episode may not even be out yet when this comes out because we're so far ahead on the Chat the Fat show, but it's going to be episode 40. So if you want to hear more about Crystal's story, go to chatthefat.com forward slash episode 40 and see if a page exists there. I think it comes out in like January. We're like so far ahead because we just can't shut up. (laughs) That's good. Yeah, you know how that goes. So what happened is... Uh, Crystal was telling uh, me her story about how she got started, and and she has a story about some crazy digestive issues that she was dealing with and that kind of got her started on all this. And then when we got done talking, she was talking a little bit about how there's like seems to be an ebb and flow to it now. You know, like uh, you've improved it dramatically because now you're a human as before you mm-hmm. were not so much a human. Right. You're like an, an imposter human kind of? Yes, Totally. <laughs> yeah. So so now she's a human, but uh, some of the issues do seem to have an ebb and flow where maybe they'll, it'll be a little bit worse. And why is it worse today? And what's going on? And oh, now it's golden. Everything's great. So mm-hmm. I told her that I would get on a call with her and just kind of explain some things and how they work and ways that she can fix that. So I kind of said, oh, we should just do a podcast about this topic because so many people uh, come to me with issues with gastroparesis. 
So mm-hmm. just to kind of get everybody up to speed, why don't you tell everybody um, how this issue first started for you and you went to the doctor and what they said and, and mm-hmm. the steps that you took and what they did and, and what finally turned things around. Okay, so I guess I'll start it off with I had no idea I actually had any problems. I was just a normal girl. I was a barista. I had fun with my friends, just doing my thing. I think I was, I believe I was either 20 or 21 when this all started. And I just started to have some stomach pain. I also had a lot of things like changing in my life. And someone had, um, someone in my family had moved in with me. I had a lot of stressors. Uh, but I also was not really taking care of my diet or nutrition or fitness or anything like that. So just a like, you know, an average 20, 21 year old girl. So your and diet consisted of all the muffins and cakes and the <laughs> coffee shop. Uh, 100%. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, w- I also was drinking. I smoked cigarettes, all of that kind of stuff. So just not doing anything good for my health. Right. Just a rebel. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I went to my general doctor and he was like, you're fine. You're just stressed out. Like it's just taking effect on your stomach. You're fine. And what was Um, it that sent you to the doctor? What was the symptoms that you were having? So I started to have symptoms of actually like more depression type stuff as well. um, And maybe a little anxiety. And then my stomach started just hurting. And it was like every time I ate, my stomach hurt. Every time I didn't eat, my stomach hurt. And so it was like this up and downhill battle. It didn't matter what I ate you know, what time I ate. Um, it was just, it was never good for me. So I ended up going in and talking to them and he kept pushing it off. Like, Oh, it's nothing. It's just IBS or you're fine. And I finally said, you have to send me to someone else because you are not telling, telling me the answers that need to be fixed. He put me on a bunch of fiber and a bunch of other types of medication that I don't, I don't honestly don't even know the names of, (laughs) but it was to help me Um, just like go to the bathroom more easily, which at the time I had no idea I was having an issue with. So he sent me to an actual GI doctor. And were you one of those people that was like, Oh, I just, I pooped a week ago. What's the big deal? Like, were you, was it that infrequent? Yes. Yeah. I had no idea how, because I mean, nobody around that age really talks about how often you should go to the bathroom. Uh, so I, I was just kind of doing my normal thing, not really thinking it was any issue at all. And it just kept getting worse and worse. And at one point I remember just being so like hunched over in so much pain that my nose started bleeding. And that's when it was just like, someone has to do something about this. I did end up going to the ER one time because I thought, well, maybe something is bursting in me or maybe I don't know. So I went and that's actually when they found that I was uh, super constipated and so they did an enema and we went through that whole whole thing. But again, they gave me fiber and they just said, be on your way. Yeah. So uh, then, we, you know, I went to the GI doctor after that. They did a bunch of tests and finally did they did a, um, what is that test called? Uh, it's a barium the, thing. You drink the stuff and they look at things up in you or are they, was it a? Yeah. So it's uh, where you eat the eggs and it has a, I think it's like a dye or something in, is in the eggs. You eat it and then they wait so long, they have you lay on a table. Are you for... sure you're not talking about Easter? You know, those eggs have dye and <laughs> that's something different. Okay, that's something yeah, different, you no know. problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they have you eat the eggs and uh, then you lay on this table 
while a scan is just watching you digest your food. And after so long, if you hadn't digest a certain amount, they will give you a medication. And the medication also did not work for me. So I ended up laying on the table for about three hours and the food was still sitting in my stomach. <laughs> so they pretty much told me at that point, you know, you're having some issues, your doctor will follow up with you. And that's when we, I found out that I had gastroparesis. Um, and then, you know, we did a few things here and there. And that's when Robert actually had me starting keto, but I was still having other issues. So it kind of led down into further in my tract and my, my intestines were slow moving as well. So. Right. So they said that you had gastroparesis in your stomach and then like yes. a month or so later you went back and they were like, oh man, you, you also have it in your intestinal tract too. Right. And they did a whole separate test for that one. Right. And, and so for those who might not understand it, it's basically they tell uh, Crystal that you have gastroparesis, which means that your stomach doesn't empty out. Uh, very quickly like it takes longer than a normal person to do that because the intestinal walls just aren't pushing food through like they're supposed to and then they say well oh man now your intestines are stupid too because they're not doing what they're supposed to do you just have dumb intestines and then you're Mm -hmm. like now how do intestines even get dumb how would that even happen i don't (laughs) understand how that is an issue um so when we talk a little bit about this, it will it will start to make more sense how, oh, if I have it in my stomach, why wouldn't I have it in my intestines, really? Mm-hmm. Um, so after that, then Robert had you started doing keto, and then yeah. things started to improve a lot. And how long did that usually, how long did that take? Well, the first time I tried keto, I was doing it the way, well, there wasn't a lot of people doing it at the time, but the normal way of, you know, there was still a lot more vegetables and things like that. And I really disliked it. So I actually quit. And he said, just try it again. So we changed the fat to being super high fat with a moderate protein and then super low carbs. And we found that the fat being my energy source was actually better and being able to minimize the vegetables and the fiber in there was actually more helpful. I also, I forgot to mention one of the major symptoms that I had was like extreme heartburn and indigestion. And uh, they ended up doing a scope and there was a lot of erosion around my, my uh, esophagus and the sphincter right before it hits your stomach as well. Right. And did they put so you on a PPI? Pain. Did they put you on some kind of acid reflux medication? Yes, they did. Yep. Yep. And how long did you take that? Or are you still taking that? I'm not taking it. I, when I went keto, <laughs> I kind of just said, you know what? I'm just going to try it without, I was never, my whole life, I've never been a fan of medication. So I kept telling them, I I don't want to be on anything. If we can do anything else, I will do it. And so I just quit everything all of a sudden, but I think I was on everything for a good six months. Okay. I just gave it a shot and it didn't seem to do a whole lot. All right. And you had a few questions that just kind of been going in your head. So Mm -hmm. tell tell us what those are and then we'll try to hit those as we go over all this. So what are your three questions that you had? So... Nobody actually could explain to me why I got gastroparesis and why I did at the age that I did rather than having it, you know, when I was younger as well. Right. Okay. So that's one. Now, what was the second question? The the first one was, um, you know, why do some of us get gastroparesis? Uh, The second would be, why did I get it at 20 years old and not, you know, not any sooner in my life, not having diabetes? This is more common for people with um, type 1 diabetes, I believe. 
And, um, and then the other one was why now that I'm keto, does it seem to be not as big of an issue or almost at times feel like it's gone away? Right. Okay. So, you know, first of all, uh, when we say, do we know why someone gets gastroparesis? Well, the medical world does not. And when you look it up and things like that, they always list things like, you know, it's not really understood, you know, what causes gastroparesis. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about why they don't understand that, um, but they, they definitely don't. So they're not bad people, you know, not telling you. They're just, it's just not in their training. Um, they're trained on how to use medications, and medications work to improve a symptom. They don't actually work to... Mm-hmm fix whatever the underlying cause is. Um, So what we need to first understand when we're looking at gastroparesis is, uh, especially in the stomach, is what happens when we eat food is uh, the food goes down our esophagus into the stomach and then our stomach makes stomach acid. Like, everybody knows that. Doctors all Mm -hmm. know that that occurs. It's kind of what happens. So the reason it does that is because that stomach acid is used to break our food down, to start, especially proteins, it helps acidify that so that it can be broken down. So here's the trick. The stomach lining says, oh, when food is acidified, then it can move out of the stomach. I, I can, it can move on because it's done that first job. So your mm-hmm. food goes into your stomach. The stomach makes hydrochloric acid. It starts to break down that food. And once the food is properly acidified, the stomach says, okay, go on to the next station. We're done here, and it pushes the food out of the stomach into what's called the duodenum. And that's basically mm-hmm. just like the first 10 inches of the, the small intestine. Mm-hmm. Okay? So once the, that acidic product gets into that uh, small intestine, then the gallbladder says, hey, I want to play, and it squirts bile down onto that acid product. And bile is like this soapy stuff. And it's very alkaline. So what that means is it's the, it's the opposite of acidic as far as when you're looking at the pHs of it. And so uh, when these two things meet, it's kind of like, uh, you remember that volcano in, in a, a, you know, third grade that everybody did in their science fair project where they put baking mm-hmm. soda in there and vinegar and then you got this crazy fizzy thing and the lava came up and it's like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. Um, yes. <laughs> So that's what's going on when the acid meets this bile stuff. You get this sizzle, and that is what we're living off of. It's this um, ability to chemically break apart our food so that we can pull out things like minerals and amino acids and vitamins and and fats. And uh, So our body can't do anything with a peanut butter sandwich. It doesn't have a use for that. It has to break that peanut butter sandwich down into usable parts. And you have to have the acid function working and you have to have bile flowing correctly and then those two meet and that's how we break apart our food. So that's important to understand first of all. Now the trick is is that a person can have either side of that not working for a lot of different reasons. A lot of things can cause either not enough stomach acid to be made or bile to kind of get too thick so it doesn't move correctly. You know, we mm-hmm. hear about people, oh, I had my gallbladder taken out because I had all these gallstones in there. Well, the gallstones start to solidify because the bile is not moving correctly. It got too thick and it just stays in the gallbladder and the gallbladder keeps concentrating in it and then it stones and then 
the doctor says, ah, it doesn't do anything, let's just yank it out anyways. Mm -hmm. So all these things are very common. We hear about them every day. We hear about acid reflux every day. And you were having acid reflux. And Mm -hmm. we're told that when we have acid reflux, it's because we have too much stomach acid, so let's just turn that off. Mother Nature was probably stupid to make that anyway, so let's not listen to Mother Nature. Let's just turn it off. Because when you turn off the stomach acid, the symptom stops. And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. the doctor was a genius. He fixed me. But what he did is he just turned off the symptom. So that valve that you were talking about at the bottom of your esophagus that meets your stomach, it's called the lower esophageal sphincter. Or they'll mm-hmm. call it like an LES. And basically its job is it opens up so food can come in. And then the stomach makes hydrochloric acid. And then that acid is what triggers that valve to close. So stuff doesn't come back up and burn our esophagus. So it's actually the acid in the stomach that triggers the valve. So when there's not enough stomach acid, which happens for a variety of reasons we'll talk about in a second, then the valve doesn't get triggered, and then the small amount of acid that you do have comes back up and we get reflux and it burns us. Mm-hmm. So not only do you, did you not have enough acid to trigger that valve to close, but you didn't have enough acid to acidify the food enough for the stomach to be like, cool, I'm done, send it on. So it's not that the walls of your stomach are broken or stupid or, or not doing what they should be doing. They're doing exactly what they should be doing. It mm-hmm. shouldn't send your food on if your food is not starting to break down already. So when there's not enough stomach acid... What happens is the food just sits there and it will start to break down by process of rotting and fermenting. And mm-hmm. uh, it takes a lot longer to break that down. You know, if you took a steak and put it in your stomach and the hydrochloric acid break it down, that would happen a lot faster if you just put it in a trash can outside and let it rot and ferment. Right. You know, that would take a week or so. So that's what happens. And so that's why... You know, you said before that, you know, sometimes you kind of feel like it just kind of sits there like a rock in your stomach if you have a steak mm-hmm. or something, you know, high protein meal kind of thing. Right. And that's what's going on. It's just, it's having to find its own way to start breaking it down enough, at least for the stomach to say, okay, I, at least it's some, get it out of here. Go ahead and, and move it yeah. on. And that's, that's kind of what happens. So here's where people get stuck in this cycle is that the hydrochloric acid that we make in our stomach, the body needs minerals to do that. So you need uh, chloride and you need like zinc and all these other things for the body to make stomach acid. So if you don't have enough minerals in your system, the body's like, okay, I can make a little bit, but this is all I, this is all I got. Mm-hmm. And uh, the problem is, is that we need enough stomach acid so that we can break our food down enough so we can pull the minerals out. So you can see right. that someone doesn't have enough stomach acid to make uh, to pull the minerals out, but they, now they don't have enough minerals to make what the acid that they need to pull. So you, they just get kind of ripped off for years or, or decades. And a person mm-hmm. doesn't need to take a PPI to get broken like that. Um, you remember that other side of digestion, the bile flowing that creates that sizzle, that side cannot work as well either. And then you're still not digesting the food correctly, even if you can acidify it, because you need both sides to create that sizzle. That's what It's like an explosion that lets us pull all the nutrients out. Mm-hmm. So um, the most common issue with girls 
because you're like, why would this happen when I'm 20? You know, it, it could be as simple as you caught a, a stomach bug, you had food poisoning, you ate something off a salad bar that had some type of critter in there. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of the bacteria that gets in our stomach, uh, the waste that they create is alkaline. So it can kind of neutralize our stomach acid. Other critters like H. pylori will actually eat hydrogen. And we need hydrogen to make hydrochloric acid. So if you get some kind of bug like that, there's a lot of ways that you could just turn off stomach acid enough to create this cycle of misery for a long time. Right. Um, And another big thing for girls is around that age, they'll be like, oh, sex is cool. I should do sex. So I should go on birth (laughs) control so that I don't have 15 kids before I'm 19. So is that is that something that you did? Were you on birth control? Or? Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, oh man, don't get me started on birth control. Yeah, but nice. yes, um, yeah, I, I actually started birth control when I was 15. Right. So, so I mean, five years later. <laughs> yeah, so what happens is the any kind of birth control that's going to raise estrogen, which most of them do, uh, estrogen has the ability to really thicken up the bile so it won't flow correctly. And mm. uh, so that's kind of how... A digestive demise can often start. It's not always the reason, but it's just with girls that age, it's the most common one. Um, right. So that's a big problem. You know, eating a lot of uh, grains and uh, processed junk food is another thing that can thicken up bile and make it not flow so right. So mm-hmm. um, stress is this other situation where it's kind of like a burden to the body. It doesn't know that you're stressed because you're in traffic or somebody moved into your house and they're eating all your Pop-Tarts. They don't know that that's what the stress is about. Uh, It just views stress as this is an emergency. Uh, They're running from a lion. I need to do things that will give this person immediate fuel to deal with this life-threatening situation. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of the processes that go along with dealing with that stress um, can take resources away from digestion and put it towards this immediate a threat, and then maybe a person isn't making enough uh, hydrochloric acid because of that. So there's a wide variety of reasons, but you can see that it sounds like you kind of signed up for as many as you could. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it does. It give me sure all does. the things that's going to screw up <laughs> the process of the digestive action. Uh, yeah, that was totally me. <laughs> right. So it's not your fault. It's just, you know, that's what we're taught to do. And we're also never taught, you know, we didn't even know until recently that these things... Um, can cause problems. It was, you know, it took a long mm-hmm. time to figure out, to figure out that whole grains were not the healthy thing. And right. you know, you and I know this, but you know, ninety eight percent of the population still doesn't. So it, it just it's not your fault. It's just we didn't know what we were doing back then. Right. So the other side of this for you is that our stool and that food, you know, the chime is what it's called once it's uh, acidified and meets with the bile. It's moving through our intestinal tract so that we can assimilate all those nutrients into our intestinal tract. As it's moving through, it moves through at a pace according to its acidity level. So uh, if someone has chronic diarrhea and it's just screaming through the system, uh, it's often because there is no bile flowing. So there's nothing Mm -hmm. to uh, to neutralize the acids leaving the stomach. So now it's too hot. And the body's like, this is going to burn up the intestinal tract. Let's get it out of here. And then you 
you lift off the toilet like a rocket when the diarrhea comes <laughs> shooting out of the end of the toilet. Um, so, and when someone's constipated, it's often because there wasn't enough stomach acid to make the stool acidic enough so that it would move at a good pace. So again, right. it's not that you're, the lining of your intestinal tract is not working or that it's dumb or anything like that. It's doing its job since the food didn't get acidified to break down enough. It's going to move through slower just in an attempt to try to at least assimilate some kind of nutrients. Um, when everything is the right pH and uh, the, uh, the food was acidified and neutralized, now it's at a good pace that it'll just move through at an, at an appropriate pace. Um, hmm. And this isn't the only cause of constipation. There's other uh, imbalances that can make the body um, send more water through the kidneys and not enough to the bowels, so it just kind of, the stool starts to get hard and it doesn't move as easily. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to set you up uh, with our four-week digestion course that kind of talks about how to fix these digestive issues. And if anybody's listening, um, if you haven't taken it, it's basically a free course that we made, but you have to pay 50 cents when you sign up because that keeps out the mm-hmm. spam registration. So save up your money so that you can pay 50 cents for a, a life-changing <laughs> course. Um, but you can find it at uh, kickitnaturally.com forward slash digest registration. Okay, so I'm going to send you a login to this, and it'll kind of walk you through how to fix digestion. But it'll also show you how to look at some simple tests that you can run at home to get an idea of, uh, am I dealing with an imbalance that's sending too much water through the kidneys and not enough to the bowels, and that's creating constipation too, and, and because that also could restrict your ability to assimilate nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the situation and some other symptoms that someone might be seeing if, if they don't have enough stomach acid is, uh, they'll be, they can bloat a lot. They'll be very bloated yes. and you had a lot of bloating going on. Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. It, I mean, it was kind of insane. Like you looked pregnant probably. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's very common. Um, and so, uh, that's an issue. Burping can be an issue. Acid reflux, constipation, um, food kind of feels like it sits in your stomach like a rock or maybe you're seeing undigested food in your stool. No matter what you're eating, you really shouldn't see food in your stool. You should conquer the food enough that it turns into poop. That's your goal. Mm-hmm. You want to poop like all the cool kids poop. <laughs> if you want to figure out if keto is right for you or your body chemistry, check out a new podcast, Chat the Fat. If you know me at all, you know I believe there is no diet that is right for every person. But if major weight loss is your goal, nothing is faster or easier than keto if it's right for you. So my co-host Nissa Braun and I will help you figure out if you can use keto to get past your weight loss plateaus or improve other health issues. Just search for Chat the Fat on iTunes or Stitcher or go to chatthefat.com to learn more. So what's interesting for you is that when you went keto, a lot of these issues improved to the point where they're almost gone and then maybe they just show up from time to time. Mm -hmm. Um, So what's interesting about keto is that a lot of people that really do it right, and I know you were learning from Robert and Robert was doing it right, is is they eat more real food. And real food actually has nutrients in it. It actually has minerals that, you know, the things in the vending machine don't have much in it. It's just processed carbs, mm-hmm. really. It's just kind of junk. Um, 
So when you start eating more real food, even if you're not digesting correctly, the rotting and fermenting could get you enough nutrients that you start doing the right stuff. And Robert and Crystal have an, a, a company called Keto Bricks, and it's a, it's a basically a high-fat snack for keto to help people raise the amount of fats that they get in an easy way. It's, it's like fat bombs, but you can take it with you because it's shelf-stable. Yeah. So it's like this brilliant thing. Um, but what you may not have realized is that Robert puts things in there like uh, sea salt and Himalayan salt, and he puts he has like digestive enzymes in, in these right. things. Uh, raw cacao butter, all these things have nutrients in it that are very easily to access um, from your body because a keto brick is basically, it's kind of digested and it just breaks right down. It doesn't need to be really torn apart. Um, so if you were hang, you know, hanging out with Robert and just eating keto bricks by accident, you could have started to get more of the nutrients in an easier to access form that fixed a lot of things for you. So he created this company just to make things easier for himself and maybe he accidentally fixed his wife in the process of. Yeah. You know, what's so funny is, and not, this is not a shout out to my company, but, um, there was a certain point where I said, the only thing I feel like I can eat is the bricks <laughs> right? because, because at that time I was having a lot of, uh, trouble with uh, protein mm -hmm. and just like meat sources. And I thought the only thing I could eat is the brick. And it was, it was just really easy, super easy to digest, all that kind of stuff. So that, that's really funny that you said that. <laughs> right. And once a person, a person becomes fat adapted and they're really doing a keto diet correctly, then they're using fat for fuel anyway. So just eating that, all of a sudden a person has plenty of fuel. They also have mm -hmm. fuel for their brain because their body's using ketones for their brain. Um, so they just start to feel better and function better and all those things. But as a bonus, uh, if bile is not flowing correctly, say maybe it's just a little sludgy and it's not really working correctly, the more fat you eat, the more you're calling on the gallbladder to send down more bile. So you're like you know, simulating it to work, work, work. And even though it's not working correctly, the more you simulate it, the more it can start to move things along a little bit better and that can start to improve. Um, mm. A lot of people need to take other steps. Uh, keto is not enough because they're so backed up that when they start to eat these fats, they're just nauseous and they maybe they hurl right. and they just can't they just can't handle it because they're not processing those fats and undigested fats uh, can make a person toxic just because they're not mm -hmm. broken down correctly and maybe the body starts pushing it out through the skin and they get keto crotch or all kinds of other crazy things <laughs> that people like to talk about. Um, but you can see how some steps that you took could have easily accidentally fixed some things for you. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. but if things are showing up, then, uh, you know, a woman's cycle takes all kinds of resources. It takes a lot of resources to do that. Uh, stress for any situation can take away a lot of resources. So you could easily have from time to time. Situations where your body is not making as much stomach acid and maybe you just don't feel as good. Maybe your stool is not moving as well. So we teach people how to um, use hydrochloric acid supplements to basically mm -hmm. synthesize digestion. And um, you just take these in the middle of a meal. And most people need to work up to five per meal uh, because that's about the amount of HCL that the body makes on its own. But you want to kind of work your way up because you don't know how much your body is already making. If you took five and your body is already making five, 
then it can make your stool really loose because you don't mm-hmm. have enough bile to neutralize all that acid. So in the course, we teach people how to ramp that up and some very specific steps that you really want to do uh, so that you don't create a loose stool or you know somebody's acid reflux could get worse when they first start and think, oh, well, this isn't working. So it's important to understand what's going on and most people need to make little adjustments as they're getting it to work. But if a person can do this, then they can create enough digestion that the body can now pull all the nutrients out of the food. Now it has reserves. So when there's ebbs and flows, everything's fine and a person can eventually stop using the supplements because their body's making enough of its own hydrochloric acid and everything starts to work. So not only do you feel better when you eat food, but it starts to move through the system at the right pace and then you're pooping like a champion and... Yeah, you're like, you're like wanting to take pictures and post it on Facebook just to show how awesome you are now. Uh, I'm not so sure about that part. Yeah, right. You're probably you're probably not going to do that. Um, so, but what's crucial is that if somebody, I don't like people to just say, oh, "Okay, I'm just going to take HCL," because if you do, and your bile is not flowing correctly, not only could it create uh, a loose stool issue, but if that acidic product is just sitting in your duodenum not being acidified, it can create what's called a duodenal ulcer, which happens mm-hmm. outside of the stomach. Um, and it's basically just from uh, an, uh, the acid being there that's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be neutralized in that location. So we use this product called beet flow, which is basically beet greens. It's not beetroot. That doesn't do the same thing. But it's beet greens that helps thin the bile and then it's flowing correctly so then a person can safely use HCL without worrying about creating a, a problem like that. Um, mm-hmm. A person can also do like coffee enemas. That helps them get bile flowing better. Coffee suppositories. Uh, drinking coffee doesn't do anything, but those right. other steps uh, can help a lot. And for some people, increasing fat can eventually do the thing uh, if they're eating enough fat, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The the third question you had was oh we talked about why that did mm-hmm. uh, why it got better over time but one thing that you said was that you know it seems to be more common with diabetics but it it's not that diabetes causes your stool or stomach to be slow in its performance it's that the people who are diabetic especially type two diabetic is really the ones that are they're that way because they gravitated towards more carbs. And maybe it was because they felt lousy when they ate protein because they couldn't digest it. Um, And then the more carbs thickens up the bile so it can't flow correctly. And they go through that same kind of cycle you did, maybe for a totally different reason. Hmm. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, there really is a variety of ways that this can happen. But you can see that once it makes sense, then you're like, oh, yeah, well, of of course I would feel bloated because it's just sitting there rotting. And fermenting, right. which creates all these gases, and the gases expand our stomach or our intestinal tract, and it, it hurts. It's like painful. Mm-hmm. It's like tying your intestines to the door and slamming the door. Stretching is not that friendly. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about all this because when I was diagnosed, I was like, what in the world does this mean? And they pretty much broke it down to me as there is a nerve Vagus and muscle. Nerve. Yes, there's a nerve muscle connection and there's some sort of error happening there. Right. So I'm just sitting here thinking that I got that I have a 
a, a nerve issue right. and that it's not stimulating my muscle correctly when it doesn't seem to be the issue. Right. And the vagus nerve is actually responsible for that. So their deduction is if this isn't happening, that's what's broken. It's like looking at a car that's all rusty and uh, parts are falling off of it and it's not running. And they're like, well, look, see how old it is. Cars that don't work often are rusty and look broken down like this. But Mm -hmm. you also might want to look to see if there's any gas in the tank because Mm -hmm. that maybe it's not running because of that. Don't just view something not functioning as the thing in charge of that is broken. It's really Mm -hmm. like we talked about that the the signal sender that sends the signal to that vagus nerve is not getting the signal it needs to say it's go time. It's not getting enough acidity to say it's go time to send that signal. Um, and all those things can go back and forth between chicken and the egg, like why did it break or it's not breaking. So it's really about the acidity level in there that's going to help things function correctly. And, you know, when digestion goes and you can't pull enough minerals out of the system, what we see with depression and anxiety, there's, there's more than one cause of both of these, but the most common for depression is a lack of minerals because the signals can't travel from the body to the brain. And uh, anxiety is also very common with a lack of minerals because the body's kind of panicking. It doesn't have the resources it needs to function. And that's what happens when you can't pull the resources out of the food you're eating. So all those things make a lot of sense for everything that you went through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It did. It's honestly lining up. It, It makes a lot of sense to me. It's kind of crazy when, and fun because people view the issues like this like everything's just falling apart on me. You know, I look at all these issues that mm-hmm. I'm having and what is wrong with me. And, and <clears throat> you know, my mom dealt with that issue too. And so I just got dealt a crappy deal. And that's just, right. I'm broken a little bit and that's just what I have to deal with. And mm-hmm. that's how people view things. But really just one little thing malfunctioning can kind of snowball into a lot of problems. But yeah. when we... When you fix the underlying cause, all of a sudden, a lot of these issues just kind of go away accidentally as well, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's uh, funny. Robert is the, very much so the type that you don't have excuses for anything. There is no excuse for being sad for yourself. There's no, you know, the, things like that. And I right. was, you know, at that point, I was very much dealing with my own internal, like, mental battle. And he was just like, I understand that you don't feel good but that doesn't mean that your whole life sucks. And uh, so it, it's funny because he watched me go through through all of that. Yeah. And to be able to be, to be on the other side and just say, wow, like we worked through that, but it was, how? We didn't even know what we were doing when we were doing yeah. it. <laughs> right. Pretty amazing. And, and it is, it's just kind of what we see the body and the, and the mind do. It's not that, it's really not in the person's head, like, people Mm -hmm. think it's really not like why don't you just be happy and snap out of it why don't you and because that's what a lot of people that don't understand depression will say Um, but when the body is in that emergency I'm panicked I'm freaking out things are not going well state then our mind tends to also go into I'm going to view everything as negatively as it can possibly be viewed and that's why people can kind of spiral into that but we've seen Mm -hmm. So many people that just, when they fix enough things to get their minerals up, 
all of a sudden, no, they're, they're not so sad anymore. And, and the problems are still in their life, but maybe the problem they were viewing as a 10, maybe they're just viewing it as a 3 or 4 now. And maybe they have right. a better capacity to deal with it or correct it. Um, yeah. So if anybody's listening and, and they're dealing with that, we have another whole episode on depression. You can just go to kickitnaturally.com and search for depression to find uh, that episode. So are there any questions that you have after hearing this stuff uh, initially that's popped going off in your mind right now? I don't have any questions. I feel like you've answered close to all of the questions that I could have possibly had. The only thing I am curious about is I've, it's been wonderful lately. Um, it took me a few years to actually feel like, well, maybe I kicked it. Maybe it's out of here. Um, I, two and a half years into being keto, I did get another scope done and actually all of the erosion and the discoloration and all of that that was going on in my stomach and esophagus uh, is actually gone and it's a beautiful system again (laughs) the body has a Um, a, is pretty good at healing itself when things are going right yeah yes so the only thing i could think that i sometimes have an issue with is uh protein in certain forms Mm-hmm. So usually I stick to like a pre-ground thing or like a very super lean meat. I, I tend to crave more of turkey and chicken rather than beef, mm-hmm. although beef has a lot more micronutrients in it. So I wish I could eat more of that, but I right. really, it's almost repulsive at times. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's my system telling me that or if that's really a personal preference. It, it really is because... Um, a steak and, and dark meat protein is a lot harder to break down than white meat protein. So like eggs are the easiest and then like a lot of white fishes and then chicken and, and things like that. It's kind of the order it goes. And then we go into like lamb and steak and all the things that are so delicious. Um, because they're really, <laughs> they're, they're, there's a lot of research on this and it turns out that there's nothing as delicious as a ribeye. It's just the best thing in the whole world. Um, but... Guess what? If a person has a hard time breaking that down, then then that deliciousness and all of those great resources don't become resources to you. They become a burden for the body. Mm-hmm. And the body's like, what do I do with all this? Um, I can't get rid of it. So it sends the signal of don't do this. Don't. I'm going to make you feel lousy so you don't do this anymore. Um, and that's why people who first go on keto, if they have no bioflow and can't process those fats, they feel lousy and they have no energy right. and they throw up and all these crazy things. Um, but if they fix that issue and now they can process those fats. So I would test things out with just what you're doing now, maybe adding a little HCL, uh, maybe some digestive enzymes if you're not already. Uh, um, sea salt for some people is enough. If they're just barely on the fence, just adding more sea salt can provide their body with the chloride ion that it needs to make hydrochloric acid. So I've seen people just change their whole life just with sea salt. And I'm like, well, that's, mm-hmm. well, that was a ripoff. That was too easy. Um, but I would test out the HCL. And then as you start learning how to, what works for you, uh, maybe two or three per meal is enough for you. But maybe with a ribeye or something like that, you might need four or five. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You might need a little yeah. more help to break that down and uh you know so don't 
say, okay, bye-bye, and then go have a ribeye. You know, don't test, you know, work yourself up to that. But yeah, yeah wanting to be able to eat that is right. You're doing the, you're, you're having the right yeah. desires because it, there's just all these nutrients in there, especially like organ meats and all those things that are harder mm-hmm. to break down, but have, you know, all these treasures inside. And Yeah, it, it was interesting because I was, I was eating red meat there for a while, a lot of ground beef, uh, steaks and things like that. And it was like all of a sudden my body was not willing to take it anymore. Right. So I just stopped eating it altogether. And the only thing I was thinking was, what, how am I going to get this all in? And I just started taking, you know, little supplements for liver and liver organ shit. meats and things like that. That's great. Uh, just because I couldn't get in the red meat, but I want to. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> and uh, so it's, it's a very interesting little battle, but I will definitely incorporate that. And, yeah. And just and test it out and, and, and just see how it goes. And um, it, it can just be a lot of fun. The liver pills are great for people who can't break down meat. I use it with people all the time and it's, it's huge. But just remember that you're a girl and girls have all these parts that do crazy, amazing things mm-hmm. and they require more resources at certain times of the month. And, you know, so there's a lot of factors that can dictate how many resources you have and your ability to break down food. Really, digestion mm-hmm. takes more resources than just about anything that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just keep that in mind. I will. I will. Okay. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show again. And uh, don't forget to check out um, uh, Crystal's uh, other episode on Chat the Fat that will be out in January. I know people can check out Keto Bricks at ketobricks.com. And where mm-hmm. can people learn more about you and your uh, keto coaching? Uh, hopefully by the time this goes live, it will be theladysavage.com. Sorry, ladysavage.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can find me um, at the.lady.savage okay awesome. and then and then we all, we're also always on the keto savage youtube and all of that kind of stuff right so. her husband robert uh he, he has an episode on chat the fat too and he has an uh, awesome uh, keto podcast called keto savage so check that out for sure he had this one brilliant guest uh tc hale on one time he was <laughs> my favorite one okay crystal thanks so much for being on thank you very much so there you have it that was a whole wad of information, and uh, uh, Crystal was very appreciative. That seemed to answer a lot of questions that she's had for uh, a very long time, and, and maybe it's the same situation for you. So one thing I want to make sure you understand is that the people who seem to need HCL supplementation the most will often have the hardest time getting started with it, and that's because uh, once that stomach acid barrier isn't there, uh, because that's kind of the barrier that keeps all the bad guys from coming in the body. So when uh, some type of bacterial comes in on the food that you're eating and there's no stomach acid there to fry it and kill it, then they kind of set up camp. And a lot of them will go down further and set up camp in the intestinal tract, but some have the ability to set up camp in the stomach and their waste product is very alkaline and uh, it, it can kind of make the stomach even more alkaline and neutralize the small amount of acid that you might have. So it can be very problematic. And, and then when you add a little bit of HCL in there and it mixes with all the alkaline waste from the bacteria, it can create like this fizzy mess and it can be very uncomfortable. It can, can push more you know, product back up and give you reflux. And now you added some acid to that reflux, so now it's going to burn even more. And, you know, so there can be a lot of issues that can come up. So uh, check out, I'm, I'm working right now on an episode called Trouble Starting 
HCL and just kind of goes over um, some of the roadblocks that people can have when they first start taking HCL if uh, they have other issues like maybe bile is not working right or they have some type of bacterial overgrowth and it, it can just make it very uncomfortable and you might need to understand you know why that's happening so I think that episode comes out, out the week after this episode or maybe a couple weeks after that so uh, just to keep an eye out for that or if you're listening to this later just go to kickitnaturally.com and in the search box just look uh, search for uh, trouble starting HCL so if you need to check out any of the links uh, that we talked about in this episode you can go to the show notes page you can find that at kickitnaturally.com forward slash episode 311. And uh, if you need to get through the digestion course, just do it. It's, it's 50 cents. Just go to kickitnaturally.com and click on the courses tab and you'll, you'll find the digestion course there. But we, we really walk people through the process of improving their digestion and, and fixing those issues that can be going wrong. And it, it's a super easy and, and easy to follow along course. So, so check that out. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Learn more about today's topic by becoming a KIY member and gain access to our members-only podcast episodes. That's where we dig deeper into each topic and share the secrets that help our clients and coaches see such amazing results. You'll also gain access to our private support group where you can ask us questions when you get stuck. It's only $9 a month and you get free shipping at naturalreference.com, which can save you like $9 a month. So do the math and join the Kick It Yourself KIY gang. Go to kickitnaturally.com forward slash KIY and we'll see you on the inside.